Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 333 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome! All the threes! It's all the threes, everyone! Three is indeed the magic number. Which must mean this episode is really special. Well, it is! Well, every episode's special. But this one features a return guest. Yes! Yes. Dugan Jackson of TikiPod. He's returned to talk about their uh, arcade action-adventure game, Astro Aqua Kitty. Quite difficult to say. In fact, I've had to record this intro four times now because of the name of that game. Quite hard to say. To say. See, there you go. So, Dugan's been on before. He came on episode 173 to talk about Rockbosher's DX, which is a game you can still buy and play on various platforms. But yes, Astro Aqua Kitty. See, I did it. I'm. I'm Dicing with, with, with death here by repeating the name, but one has to. It's an extraordinary lefty-righty sort of Castlevania, Metroidvania-like game, but not really. It's really, really well-built, well-crafted, beautiful soundtracks through it, actually. Really, really good stuff, and I had a great time talking to Dugan again. Because uh, you know it's really good to have return guests. Just goes to show I don't scare them off permanently, which does explain why this show is a little bit shorter than normal. Because we don't really talk about the first questions like we do in normal shows, because they've already been answered. So if you want to know the answer to those particular questions, then you can always go back to episode one hundred and seventy-three. So we um, stop listening to me and then listen to me from the past. Talking to Dugan. Let's do that. Chris, 
be so kind. Thank you. Dugan. Hello. Who are you and what do you do? Hi, um, I am a game developer. I develop games. Um, mostly doing art and design um, and sort of production-y side of things as well because we're a very small team at the moment. So a bit of a mixture of things. You do with that thing that you just described because now if regular listeners may recognise Dugan's voice, that's because you must have listening for a very long time because they, he first appeared in episode 173 of The Sausage Factory uh, back in January 2018 to talk about Rockbosch's DX. But Dugan's not here to talk about that. But if you want to know the answers to questions 2, 3 and probably 4, 2 being how did he make his start, 3, what is his biggest influences, and 4, what's his favourite developer, done that. Mm-hmm. Don't really need to do that again, unless it's unless Ford's changed recently. They've all changed, perhaps. Yeah, but no. I mean, we could talk about influences. What's influencing news these days? What do you think? What do you think is the the thing that's that's piqued your interest? Yeah. What, 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 why have you gone this way with uh, Astro Aqua Kitty? Um, this the, the gameplay this time was um, very much uh, the programmer working on the game, his idea was to do a sort of Diablo-inspired, was the initial inspiration, like a diablo light okay. type game. Right. Um, so it was very much him yeah, pushing for that direction, and we kind of worked together and squidged and squashed and changed things around as we went and ended up with the end product. Indeed, and the, how games are created, it's a very much a, typically, not always, but a collaborative effort. Sometimes mm. you, get, you do get these polymaths who make all of the things. Yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, Terry Kavanagh, that's, there's one. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I tried doing, I tried to do a bit of that myself with, um, Game Maker years ago, and I quickly realised I was not a very good coder, so I stopped. <laughs> but it was great fun doing it for, um, prototyping. Game Maker was wonderful for trying things out and then going, okay, you know, get someone properly to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Proper job. So, uh, but my last question of the first half, so we are rattling through a little bit quickly, everyone, but like I said, Dugan's been on before. You don't hear him talk about things he's already talked about. So if you want to know what those things were, go back to that previous episode. But this last question of the first half is topical. It's one of the rarest, rare topical questions in this show. Uh, but here we are. What are you playing right now? Ha. Uh... I haven't played anything in ages because um, I've been too busy playing Astro Aqua Kitty. Yeah. Enough, not testing it. Um, I had a quick go the other night on Fortnite for the first time because my daughter's been playing that. Okay. And um, it was all right. Uh, the Battle <laughs> Royale was quite a laugh, I thought. Yeah, I mean... Fun. Big open world, lots of vehicles to bounce around in. And, uh, yeah. I've, I've always been a, like the... preferred the PUBG... Um, experience because it is just 45 minutes of nothing happening mm-hmm. and then then the last two minutes of oh god I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah you know, I still find it amusing especially when playing with teams who just walk around and a movement it's a bush no it's not it's totally a bush yeah it's fine muzzle flash dead oh damn it it wasn't <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, and but anything you're planning to play after the release of Astro. Um, yeah, Habroxia 
2 looks like a really fun shooter that's on Switch. I oh, okay. And Vita, that came out, I think it came out in February. Is it, I have, right. I've got a long list of, um, I can't remember them all now, but I've got a list of things I want to tr- try. But I've kind of been, um, you know, forced, not, <laughs> forcing myself not to touch anything that's until we get the game done, because the game's been a little bit overdue. Okay. And a lot of hard work and, um, every spare minute is kind of like, get it finished, get it finished, polish it up, make it good. Um, and then now it's out, we can kind of start to slow. Actually, we're not, we can't relax yet. We haven't done all the other versions. But no. once they're out of the way, we can start slowly relaxing and, um, yeah, try out new things again. Yeah. No, I just finished, um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Oh. Hmm. Was it good? 142 hours, I point to that. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it is, I'm not kidding, and it is a 100-hour-plus game. It genuinely is. The pacing of it is demands that kind of, in order to get most out of it. It's not elite, it's not me elitist or being um, gatekeeping. I'm just describing what the effort required to com- mm-hmm. to get the most is out it of it. Or mainly based in England, or yes, there's oh, there's okay. about. 10, 15 hours based in Norway. Ah, okay. And there's another two or three hours based in Greenland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's probably about an hour and a half based in modern day New England. Cool. Because I saw some, some screenshots that yeah. showed York. And I was like, ah, that's interesting. They've got like a Viking. Jorvik, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's 9th century England. So imagine the Lake District. It's just like that, only everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> every, even London is like that. It's just, you go, oh, they're going to go to London. So, oh, please. Cause my, I live here, for God's sake. I'm like, oh, do we have to, do we have to go down there? Thinking. The nice version. Like, actually, no, Chris, it's not the Victorian monstrosity that you know it to be. Mm-hmm. It's, cause that's where it all kicked off, the Industrial Revolution. It's just the 9th century Roman ruins, London. And yeah, just... have you read um, I don't which one, the Asterix book, Asterix and the Golden Sickle? Many, many because decades ago. They go to Paris. And, right. Um, it's lovely. It's very tiny. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's all really... surrounded by forests and things. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. I mean, London used to be, you go, but we, my, my sort of knee-jerk reaction was, you know, when I was going there, I was like, oh, it's just going to be sprawling. No, it's not. Why is it? Why is it this little village? Like, because everything started somewhere. Yeah. Just, you know. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. Beautiful, beautiful landscapes. Somewhat marred by the strange character animation. Look like mannequins. But still. Yeah, still. Still. Somewhat blighted with that. But once you see through that and you go Uncanny Valley and you you, you see through that, it's actually quite, quite an entertaining game. Um, a friend of mine told me he'd been playing uh, Val Valheim or Valheim. Valheim, yeah. Yeah. Yes, he said that was really good, so I'd like to check that out at some point. That that is a builder game, mm-hmm. so you know survival builder game. Lots of people push away from those. I'm indifferent to them. I find as long as they're done well and not overwhelm you, then it's fine. Now, Crashlands is one of my favourites of those, and um, it the graphics look like something from 2003. Yeah, I think yeah. It was, I, I really like the way it looks. Like a, it's got very low, very <laughs> low textures, graphics, very low, but a really noise. nice sort of lighting engine. Lighting's that, wonderful. Sort of kind of, yeah, yeah, it's just, it works somehow. Yeah, the animation's very fluid, very fast because of that. But 
the actual when you look at it, oh, why does it look like it just does, just exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's great because it's the sort of thing, I think, again, you, you show that to a publisher, mm. you know, if you go take that game to somebody and they'll go, ugh, yeah. look at this graphics, no way it's going to sell, and then yeah. boom, ha-ha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's bajillions I of pounds. Like, really nice. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, I've yet to delve into it because I was trying to finish off. And also, I said to people, look, I'm in the middle of a Viking game right now. Please, yes. please, I just want to, you know. And I don't know what what's next, but it will be a thing. It will be mm. another. I mean, it might be God of War, but that's more Viking stuff. Mm. So I was thinking maybe Last of Us Two because I still haven't done that. So probably that. But I need to be emotionally engaged for that. But anyway, enough of other games shall we delve deep into Astro Aqua Kitty Aki excellent First question, regular listeners will know, isn't a question, it's a request. It's the request to do the elevator pitch, as our American friends like to say. What is Astro Aqua Kitty? Uh, I hate doing elevator pitches. Um, Sorry, okay, got to, got to do it. <laughs> Astro Aqua Kitty is um, an arcade action RPG light um, shoot 'em up adventure where cats have launched into space this is kind of loosely following on from um, Aqua Kitty but it's not really a sequel it's kind of a spin-off sequel so it's as if those cats have gone into space they're going off mining they mine for a bit of milk but they also mine for gems and other things and there's a whole crew and they found some very interesting asteroids that are full of water and the cat mining crew has descended onto these asteroids to explore them one by one and you 
with your team, which you build when you play the game, you build your crew into your ship. You or just select your characters rather. Um, and you, yeah, you build your crew and you can join the cats in their exploration. Yeah. It's quite a long elevator pitch, but it's a, no, long, it's a number of floors you can go up, so it's, it's fine. There are cats everywhere involved in the. Yes. They are. Just... And, and other animals as well for people who like yes. dogs with a dog and there's a, some rabbits and. Yeah. Um, a duck and uh, I think it's chameleon and. Oh, there's another rabbit, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, no platypuses though. Not this time, no. Not this time though. There was a line. <laughs> you know, and, or, or any other, insert other random mammal. And mm-hmm. not, or maybe not, you know, there's no, you know, mantis shrimp, for example. Could no. Have been, but and no mice this time either. No mice, no. Not this time. Maybe they didn't swim that well. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> a lot of thought has gone into the textures and contrast in Astro Akokiti. That's what I get from playing it for so long. It's just I'm really marvelling at how informative all the the visuals are. It's really well done. The contrast, the lighting, everything. Was that always the intention? Was it's, that... um, yes, it's taken, it's taken a lot of time. Um, yeah. I need to dig out I've got a whole load of old screenshots, you know, from when we were developing it that show its kind of evolution. So at some point I need to do a... I'm not sure where it's best to do a, a blog these days because they used to do Gamma Sutra ones. They used to do people used to do those all the time, kind of um, post-mortems and things. I'm not yeah. sure if that's still the best place to do it. But I should at some point dig all these things out and then people can kind of see how it was built and how it evolved over time. Was that always the driver, though, to inform the player whilst creating something that's visually appealing? I mean, um, it depends. What do you mean by a form? Well, sure. for example, you mm-hmm. can mine rocks for crystals and gems. Yeah. And they are a different shade. They're slightly darker, just slightly, than everything else. And they are of a certain form and shape and boulder. Whereas everything yeah. else is more popping out from the screen. And unless you are particularly observant, you'll miss them because they are lying about in corners. And they're vital for you to mine to get gems to, for you to upgrade your ship and your abilities and what have you so just want to know was that was yeah, so, the, so, so the that, philosophy that sort of thing, behind it that was like an influence kind of tracks back for years ago from games like Mr. Heli I used right. to love well, I used to love and hate it because um, <laughs> it's flipping tough but I love the whole idea of being able to go along and you've got all these rocks and those rocks they, they, they look different and those ones stood out quite a lot. You could blast the rocks, you could get gems out of them. And those gems in that game, you use them to purchase um, power-ups and things at certain shop-type places. They weren't really shops, but they were kind of like a, a thing you could power up with. Um, so that basic idea was dropped into this game. And then, um, yeah, so that we wanted when it got designed, it wanted to look like the rocks, but not... Um, stand out too much but again it has to be enough to make it look like it is something different so yeah um, it's the, a lot of these things are balanced so that things that you really want to stand out like when they have um, cats you want to talk to they'll have little you know explanation marks above their heads as a clear indicator that hey this guy needs to be talked to and um, then you have more subtle things like the rocks and um, uh, it's, it's difficult to try to keep a balance of things that you don't want to make everything bleeding obvious 
but at the same time, you don't want to make it too obscure that people are scratching their heads and thinking, what am I doing? You know, like, like a game where you've got hidden levers somewhere in the darkness. You don't want to do that kind of thing where people are scratching around trying to work out what to do. So uh, I, think, I think it's had a lot of tweaks over its development of, of things that need more clarity. Because as well, when you're developing it, you've got the problem that you know it inside out. So you need friends to either test it out or to have a good sort of step back approach of thinking, right, I'll approach it as a, um, as a brand new, fresh person. Because uh, I used to do that with the old applicant. I used to do a, a, a technique of trying to play the game. But I would kind of play it slowly to try and simulate me being um, brand new to it. So I, I would try and you know, sort of forcibly slowly react to things um, as a way to try and gauge what it's like to be someone who's novice. Yeah, um, just like and just, seeing what's yeah. obvious, what isn't obvious, and that, well, I know because I've been creating this, I've been sitting in front of this for the past three years or whatever yeah. it's been. And uh, you have to go into a meditative state to do that, I suspect. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, it's not like uh, we used to do at um, school the whole thing of when you're doing uh, art class, the whole idea right. when you're painting something, step back, have a look at it, oh, yeah, or, or flip it upside down. You know, and all, you know, when it's like a mirror version, that's another thing, trick you do in Photoshop when you mirror things, sometimes they look hideous. Mm. Um, and you realize that, ooh, well, I've been doing it, it looks good, because my eyes see it a certain way, but what you're seeing isn't necessarily what other people are going to see. Right. So you have to right. sort of review and adjust. So, ostensibly, Astro Aqua Kitty is a horizontal schmup. It is. In the sense, two D horizontal shoot 'em up. Yeah, you can in, in you can only shoot horizontally with with most yeah. weapons. Um, but the player is allowed to roam, rather than be dragged along in a similar vein to Gradius, for example. Yeah, because you just that's the thing about those lefty righties. Like you, you're moving. Yeah, can I stop? No, you can't. The, the, the map is going to move from left to right. Nothing you can do about it. Just yeah, embrace and the will chaos. Spawn and crush yeah, you, and you kind of navigate yeah. this. Yeah, undulating. Yeah, this this sort of like uh, course, right? Mm. But that's not the case with Astro Aqua Kitty. Uh, you can roam. What is this? How have you found designing the environments to ensure that whilst the player has freedom to go lots of places and at a pace that they they wish, they can, you know, there, there's got to be a challenge there, isn't it? It's a game after all. So, what? Well, how have you found designing? Um, these la- these layouts, knowing that the player can pretty much go where they like. Yeah, um, I can't remember how we originally worked it out. Um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, in terms of indicators of things, but we know, like I have in, um, we actually design, or well, I design the levels in Blender, um, which is a 3D tool. But all the levels get kind of mapped out in there using uh, polygon shapes. And I can use like a dummy shape, which is the same as a screen size. So I can use that and just slide it around. And I can kind of work out when I'm, before actually playtesting it, I can work out how much you can see outside a certain area. Mm. With that box, I can kind of tell, am I giving too much away here? Or is the room too big or too small? And then when you play the game for real, you've got to tweak it again to make sure you've got the right sort of size. But that helps as a sort of initial marker. And then the way that the enemies spawn had to be very different as well because what works in a kind of forced scrolling situation doesn't work 
in something more organic, um, where you can go at your own pace. So the enemies had to yeah, behave very differently, and also the spawning is different because they can't just warp in on top of you in this game. They, they get generated, and then if you wipe them out, you can clean an area, but they have an, a slow sort of tick generation, which varies per different creature type group. So everything can be calibrated for each different kind of animal and every different area, so they're not always the same. But um, that can allow areas to feel fresh. Because I used to hate games where you clean everything out, and then you go back through it again, and you go, well, the whole room's empty now, and it feels like it's not alive, so it's nice to have a few things sort of popping back in. But uh, equally, I, I'm not a fan of those old kind of Spectrum games where you walk through a room, you clean it, you walk back in again, ah, oh, it's just re- you know, it's re-spawned um, everything <laughs> yeah, to how yeah. it was. Which was, you know, it was a necessary evil back in the day, but um, for this game, it really worked. No. Uh, and also, we got the whole um, XP system of different enemies give you different levels of XP, mm-hmm. and that XP is important because you've got to build up um, XP so you can level up. And once you level up, you can then access upgrades to your ship and unlock skills from the uh, crew, to the crew, to crew members you have. And mm-hmm. those skills can vary quite a lot between the different ones, so um, they're important to unlock and they can help you in your battles. Speaking of which, it's almost as if you knew what the third question is. Maybe you did. Uh-huh. So in Astro Echo Kitty, the player is afforded yeah. the chance to have different pilots and engineers yes, uh, that look each. after the ship. And um, this then leads to a rather detailed tech upgrade tree to a point. Uh, which is by either buying equipment or actually changing the stats of your health and armor and energy levels and that kind of thing. Um, What have you done in the design of all this to avoid the dreaded min-max tendencies of many a video game player? Um, If anything. uh, What do you mean by min-max? What's okay, the... well, it's just basically find a loophole in the system that you can exploit. It's a okay. very, very glib um, sort of, you know, just find a, I mean, give an example, I always often give this example is, um, by the end of Dragon Quest Eleven, which I played in a couple of years ago now, um, I wasn't really playing the game anymore. I'd actually sloshed all the numbers around to the point where I didn't really okay. need to input anything because it was basically playing itself because nothing could touch me. I was basically uh, invincible. Okay. So um, that's where potentially systems like you've got in Astro could turn into. What have you done to avoid yeah. that? Um, yeah, I was just going to say, another example of, of that sort of thing I used to hate was, um, I think it was Zelda, um, actually a few Zeldas. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of the, the Phantom... No, hang on. The one with the wolf. Glass? No, no, one the, the wolf. wolf one. Oh, Majora's uh, Mask. Twilight Princess. Oh yeah, there you go. It's better. Twilight Princess. Yeah. Twilight yeah, yeah. So that one, I and that and a few others. I think I, I, I'll get to the point where I'd be quite um, obsessive about getting all the coins, or the gems, rupees, and then by the time I get to a shop, I can just clean it out in one go, which would really bug me because I can tell that the whole system is meant to be that I go in there, I upgrade things slowly, and not just do it in one go. So, yes. So in our game, we try to um, we've got certain systems in place that make sure that the money you can harvest and from the enemies as well. So you've got the you've got two lots of ways of getting money. You can get it from enemy drops, 
Um, and usually the bigger enemies give you more gems than the smaller ones, as well as they sometimes give you goodies, like, um, you know, weapons and other things you can pick up, devices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you're not finding you're not getting enough money, you can also top up by getting gems from the um, mining, mining rocks, which takes a bit longer at first if you haven't got the right weapons, but certain weapons like sonics and lasers and torpedoes, things with blast radius, are really good for hacking away at the rocks. Um, as you discover when you play, you can kind of experiment with different weapons and work out what's good. Um, so yeah, we have a system there for the cash to make sure people can't just um, cane it and um, and cheat the whole thing. Mm. And it's the same with the XP as well. We got a we got some systems in place so people can't accelerate ahead because the enemies we know we know how many enemies are in the, in the level, and we know how many can potentially respawn. So there are certain ways that we know we know basically you know what how many things are there so we know that each level has about three xp steps upwards so by the end of level three you can go to the boss sorry by the end of level one you can go to the boss and if you skip past loads of enemies and you're not shooting them uh, which you can do you know if you're a sneaky pilot you can be quite good at you can dodge around and that's fine especially if you've got the faster craft but you'll get hammered when you get to the boss yes you will um (laughs) so what you need to do is you need to go and, I wouldn't say grind, but we try to avoid grinding because I think you can play, if you play on the level, at least in my head, I always think of grinding means you kind of like sit on the same spot, smashing enemies, and that yeah. for me is what yeah. I think is grinding. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this game, you don't, if you just, if you just travel around the level and you try and smash everything that's there, you'll hit high XP levels without having to backtrack purposefully, basically. So it feels like, I mean, to me, I think that being it's, it's more organic kind of um, XP build-up. Yeah. Because you're, you're traveling and exploring anyway. It's not that you have to go you know, over the same thing over and over again. So, yeah. So all the levels should work fine. In terms yeah, of they're balanced to, you know, you, in order to progress, you're going to have to get better equipment. But in order to earn the right to use that equipment, you have to be of a certain level of experience and... Yeah. abilities and it all back, and it all works very well i'm just you know yeah we when have I a see that. as well like if you if you do happen to say get to the end of a level and you're not as high as you could be xp wise and then you if you do manage to beat the boss because you're a super duper player um on the next level it can give you a bit of an extra boost to catch up to the correct level hmm. um because what you don't want is people then to go oh god i'm stuck and i can't go back yeah because in the game, once you finish an asteroid, mm. you can explore around the asteroid, and after you kill a boss, you can still go backtracking around and you can hoover up anything you might have missed. Um, but once you finish the asteroid, you can't go backwards once you move no. to the new asteroid. And that's the uh, important reason why the XP system it works so that, yeah, like I said, um, it will give you a bit of a boost. If you happen to be a bit lower than you should be, it'll give you a bit, a bit of a kick upwards uh, faster to make sure you're sort of back on track. Yep. But, um, but it won't overly do it. It's not just giving you freebies. So it's, it's all a bit of a balance um, between being fair, but also not letting people suffer. My last, yeah, yeah. It's my, my last question to you concerns resources. Mm-hmm. So Astro Acrocriti has a lot of them, a lot of them, lots of different resources. There's um, there's the gems. There's the your energy. There's your health. Um, yeah, it's just stuff mm-hmm. sloshing around your experience points and that kind of thing. It's all, 
it's all there, and, it, and, and it's it's something that you do have to monitor. Um, some more closely than others. Yeah. What have you done to make sure that the player doesn't become too overwhelmed by all these these numbers? Well, generally. Uh, yeah. So in the game, on the inventory screen, for example, you've got a whole load of data. Yeah. Um, as you've seen, that tells you all your ship stats and you'll have extra data on certain items that might have extra um, extra boosts, such as you might have a device which gives you extra armor, but it also might have something like a, a bullet speed rate boost. Um, so when you're juggling all these things, there's lots of things you can potentially dig into. However, you don't actually have to worry about them to still crack on with the game. You can still just look at the basic numbers, such as each device and weapon has a skill number which sort of indicates its power or usefulness and you can't use a item which has a skill level higher than you you can use ones which are the same as level as you or lower so you can just concentrate on that which is kind of the basic level of doing things and you can crack on fine but for somebody who wants to all the numbers are there for somebody who wants to get really fussy and sort of get the best loadout by jiggling things around um, and it's the same with the skills. You can unlock all these skills, but if you really want, just want to concentrate purely on uh, weapons and not bother with the skills, you can still crack through the game. Because uh, I know some people play it. They, some people don't like having lots of buttons to deal with. Because with the skills, you can have up to three active skills um, and one passive. So there's, there's four skills you can have active at one time as you unlock them, and three only three can be active. So that could be like a uh, extra bullet blast, or it could be like a giant laser beam that swings around, or something else quite useful and aggressive. However, if you don't like playing that way, if you don't like having extra buttons to deal with, you can just simply stick with the two main buttons, and um, it still plays fine, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, I just, um, I, I was fine with it because you know I played lots of games with different resources. You just need to know which ones you need to monitor over others, and I just found it fascinating. You've got all this layer of stuff going on. Because when you look at um, uh, Astro Aqua Kitty, you basically it looks like oh this is like a, a smart like yeah, <laughs> but there's a lot more to it when you hit that menu button. Like, oh look at all this! Yeah. I actually find it you know it's I tricky because yeah. it's the same with the um, difficulty level. We try to make sure that can try and include as many people as possible. Because with the old Aqua Kitty, it was pretty tough, which is my my fault. That mm. wasn't. I was being, I was, you know, playing the game to death and then being too good at it. Because when you make your own thing, you end up being annoyed that way. Yeah. And I, I should put in a much easier mode for people who just want to trickle through. So this time, we've got a very casual mode um, at the lowest level and a very tough mode at the top. Mm. And people just choose what they like. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, same with the stat stuff, same with the skills. It's all kind of meant to be there. So you can dig into it if you want to. Um, but if you don't want to, you can still... You know, have a good time. Just, uh, yeah, that's that's happening a lot in games. It's like features, and they throw things up. You can do this if you like. This, this is a bit of fun. You know, it's like in The Witcher Three. Like, you want to play Gwent? Not really. Or do you, you know, you can if you like. You don't have to. Typically, I think. I think there's some missions you need to do them, but okay. you know, it's it's generally speaking, it's a it's a, a bolt-on thing. I'm not saying this is quite the same here because it is very much more integral rather than a. Sort of as something that's from the outside, it's still s- seamless. It's still mm. part of the experience. Whereas in the many other games you encounter, like 
Well, they kind of put this thing in, but you don't really need to experience it. Yeah. It's interesting. And this one as well, with the weapons and things, we try to do it in a way that um, would encourage people to experiment. Hmm. Because you don't, you, you do get drops from enemies dying, and you get crates you can find which have weapons and devices in, and you have shops for the beacons where you can buy stuff. Um, but all the shops, they only have a limited number of three weapons or three devices hmm. each. So the thinking was um, to try and get people out of their sort of safe spots, because somebody might find, I always want to have this weapon all the time and this device and this and other thing. Um, but we slightly limit things so that if you would need to get a level, say a level 5 item, because you're in level 5, you might not necessarily find that super duper gun that you liked before. Um, you can't necessarily find one at that level at that time, mm. which means you have to then try something else out. And we're hoping to you know, encourage people to jiggle around more. So I know that I, sometimes the game's like, you get into a kind of fear factor point of like, I know this thing works, and I really don't want to try something new, because what if it's a bad thing? But yeah. by making sure that they all have, all the weapons have a kind of a, a useful use, which you have to experiment with, just trying to find out what's, what's their pros and cons. And because we've got two weapons as well, certain combinations work um, better in different ways than others. So mm. again, it's, it's, it's hopefully a, um, hopefully it's fun for people to try out <laughs> and, you know, keep jiggling things around and, um, not get too clingy to stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that is very true. I mean, although I did favor certain types of weapons over others, I mean, I'm very much a, Stream of bullets will be fine. Mm. Uh, whereas others are like deliberate aim, aim, fire now. And then again, and that's the shotgun kind of approach, I yeah. like think. But, you know, there is enough variety there for, for everyone. And the pilots themselves, the pilots and engineers make quite a difference too, because there's an energy dog pup, and um, that one gives you loads of extra energy, which means it's great if you love doing laser weapons and other ones mm. that drain energy a lot. And that's a good choice to use, hmm. uh, as a for example. Um, but all the characters, yeah, they have different pros and cons, and um, they sort of benefit different weapons and different devices depending on their skill sets too. Because some uh, some of the pilots have bots, like um, drones or sentry guns, you, you can deploy, hmm. and um, certain devices will boost the lifetime of those bots. And uh, there are health healing bubbles, attack bubbles, the kind hmm. of bubbles you can drop down. Which can either be helpful to you or it can be nasty to the enemies. Hmm. So lots of things you can tinker with. Yeah. Um, again, if you want to, but if you don't want to tinker, you yeah. keep blasting as all. Yeah. Optional. Well, that was the last question. I know. Okay. Sad face. All good things must come to an end. Now, Astro Aqua Kitty has been developed by Tiki Pod Limited. Where, where did her name come from, by the way? Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, that came back from sometime in the 90s. I can't remember the exact date. I was trying to find a website. Right. Because a friend of mine in my house is like, hey, you can buy websites. I was like, oh, really? Cool, okay. Um, and I first tried to get, um, I think it was Tiki from Tiki Kiwi, the one from New Zealand Story. Because okay. I really like that game. Yeah, And yeah. Uh, that had gone. Then I tried to get Pod, because I was thinking the Pod from our type, the one that drops the weapons, the Pod yeah. had gone. And I went, oh, yeah, Tiki Pod. Oh, yeah, it's free. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I bought it, and... Um, I kind of hung on to it for years, and then when we, um, when I was doing Dave Parsons' Gravity Crash game, working on that, I needed to sell a company at that point. Because um, I was sort of moving to doing contracting then, gaming dev stuff. Um, and then, yeah, so I thought, what should I call my company? I know, I've got a website. And I went with that. 
Excellent. Mashing two word, random words up together. Two going, nerdy game things. Into yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I thought you were like when pod. I mean, it's not option, is it? Options pod. I don't know why they called them options. It's strange. Oh, you Thanks mean the things above and beneath? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's, I think I think it was in some. That's probably even the wrong name for it, but I think mm. it's probably in some mag like CMVG used to call them um, pods that drop your power ups. Oh but right, okay, yeah. Little things yeah. that kind of fly on with the legs. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I think they call them pods. But again, it's probably right. just one magazine that called them that. And, um, yeah. It's probably the wrong thing to call them too. Yeah. The Gradius series always used to call the remote turret things as options. Mm. But, yeah. But um, I thought you meant the weird racer from mid-1990s called Pod. But yeah, that was a weird one. I don't know that one. No, look it up. It's very good. Anyway, uh, going back to Astro Aqua Kitty, it's out now at the time of release of this podcast on um, PS4 and PS5 and Nintendo Switch. Yes. And the Vita. PS Vita. So the EU store is definitely working. People are finding it. However, you have to type in the name of the game because I think the Vita store on on the EU one has been updated since uh, maybe December last year. Uh, right. So uh, I've asked someone very nicely to, to have a look into it at Sony, and um, I'm not sure if there's anyone there who can fix it, but hopefully they can. Because that'd be ace if we could be um, discovered. Yeah. Because I think I think all the web stores have died now for PS3 and Vita, so the only way to find the game is on PS Vita is to actually get your Vita and um, yeah. get on the store and type in Astro, and you should find yeah. it. Um, however, it, yeah. the American store, I'm not sure if that's live yet, so it might not be till later today or tomorrow. Well, so, by the time we released it, it'll be, be there. How long is it up for? Is it until August or something, is it? Or? Uh, in, in theory, yes. But mm. um, I think all these things is kind of, you don't really, unless they give a hard date of exactly when it's getting turned off, mm. uh, you can't be sure it's going to hang around forever. Well, they might start turning things off earlier. Who knows? Don't know. Mm. Mm. Um, but hey, at least we got out before it is. Before yeah, before they shut it all down. So, um, we've been hanging on to the the beta version. It's been extra work for us to keep the beta one alive because it's right. quite a different beast to code on. And um, um, Gabor, who's done the, the coding on the game, he's done a cracking job mm. getting the beta working because uh, lots of things have to be handled differently. Yeah, to get it I to mean, go at good speed. People, you know, ignorant people go, "Oh, is it just like the switch port?" No, it's really not yeah. <laughs> yeah. at all. Um, because you know, uh, it looks fabulous on the Switch though. This screen, it's really good. Yeah, but, um, that's cool. I think both Switch and Vita, they're great little handhelds. But um, um, oddly enough, and there might be something in my telly settings, but the most bright and vibrant is the PlayStation Five. Really? Don't know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just popping out of the screen more than any other pla I don't know why. I've been, I checked my settings, and I'm like, yeah. why? Why is it so much look so much better? Does it make any... Honestly, all the contrasting spot on. Don't know why. Hmm. So, yeah, the PlayStation 5 version looks just astonishing. But, uh, and I know there are plans for the other major platforms, yes. but so we can't we're really... So, we sorting out um, Xbox One at the moment, and then PC will come after that once that's sorted out. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I do have a Series 1, a Series X, I should say. So, cool. I assume it'll work on that too. Yeah, it should um, do. That's what I played on. Uh, that's what I played the, the Assassin's Creed game on. Very yeah. nice it was too. And it's silent. Click. There's that's no sound. Great. No sound at all. Yeah, I think that's um, great. That's uh, moving towards silent consoles. It's like the good old days, like the 90s, when you had silent 
SNESs yeah. and side of PC engines. Yeah, I actually, um, I mean, going way, way back, second generation, I actually put AV mods on my a Tiny 2600s. Wow. Both of them. That was fun. Uh, the amount of stuff you have to rip out. <laughs> it's like, don't need that, don't need that, don't need okay. that, don't need that. Like, really? Yep, yeah, don't need all that. Get rid of all that. And there's, there's the hard composite signal being pumped out. Like, okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, not for the faint of heart though. Anyway, <laughs> unless you really know what you're doing with the soldering line. Um, lots and lots of solder. Um, but, uh, no, um, Dugan, it's yes. been wonderful having you on the show again. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, I've, um, it's been really interesting listening to you talk, talk about the, the rather, uh, intricate design and development of Astro Acro Kitty. You definitely put a heart and soul into it, and uh, we do thank you for sharing that with us. You're most welcome. And uh, you're more than welcome to come back, because as cool. you've done before, chat about whatever next you're brewing, whatever that may be. But until then, thank you so much. Thank you. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, caneandrinse.com. 